Okay, Parsha Shlach is another uh, hacked Parsha. So many things to learn, discuss. And uh, the truth is, this is uh, really the right word to learn and to discuss. The Torah is a, is a living, living Torah, something that we live through. We don't just read about stories that happened. Um, to be a Monday quarterback on events that happened uh, yesteryear. We're learning them, we're reliving them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's Torah. And if the Jewish people, at the time when they were in the desert, they decided that they had this passion to send spies, shlach l'cha noshim. And it was you know, written as if as it would be a mitzvah, send for you people. And, and, and Rashi, of course, says that I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm not commanding you to send spies in Eretz Yisrael. The truth is that you can take my word about what I told you about Eretz Yisrael, but if you feel that you have to send spies in order to satisfy your desire, your hunger to see and to observe what's going on in Eretz Yisrael so that I'm allowing you to do that which is very key to understanding the whole Parsha and the, the, the psychology of what's going on in the Parsha and what's going on with us in our times the, the first Rashi in the Parsha of course Asks Lama Nismicha Parshas Miraglim the Parshas Miriam. Why is the story of the Miraglim, the spies, right juxtaposed and right after the story of Miriam that the Parshas Baaloischa uh, added? The Sefer of course, uh, uh, embellishes the question because chronologically it didn't necessarily happen this way. If you look in the travels, and he makes a whole cheshbon, we can't go into it in detail, but it's perhaps the story of Korach came first, before the story of Miriam, as per the where the things happened in the, in the desert. So then if things were moved around, why, we can ask, why is this following? And the Torah, and the Rashi adds, the Fishaloksa al iske diba, because she was, Miriam was punished because she spoke ill about Moshe Rabbeinu, her brother. Urshoyim Halolu, and these evil people, Ro, they saw this, Veloy Lokhu Musr, and they didn't take Musr, they didn't take a lesson from this. Let's loosely translate Musr as a, as a so Rashi is, we know, very exact in his wording. There are many questions that we can dissect this Rashi, and we should. A person can spend time dissecting, I believe me, you will find pearls of wisdom and pearls of, uh, of insight in dissecting every single word of Rashi anywhere. Shas and Chumash for sure. Why he calls them Rishayim. We have other Rashi that says that they were Tzadikim at, at this point. Kulomanoshim, Rashi says, at this point they were all Tzadikim. Ultimately, they turned out to be Rishoyim, but and then Ro they saw what's the Lashon Ro they saw of Musr. 
didn't learn the lesson what what's the word Musr really have to do with with what we're talking about here and even more more difficult the safer of the I often quoted Mishulchan Rabbi Elia Baruch Finkel, one of the Rosh Hashiva in the Mir in Yushalayim, Zeichet Tzadik Levracha, is a beautiful sefer on Chumash, and there he asks, what kind of question is that? We know the Gemara in Erechen, where it talks about the laws of Lashon Hara, it, there it says, come and look, Bovera, come and see, Kamagodol Koychashal Lashon Hara. We can learn how great Lashon Hara is from the Miraglim. That that and he makes a kavuchaimer. Uma hamoitzi shemra al al eitzim vavonim. If you say ill reports about stones and wood and fruits, that you get such a punishment. It's so terrible. Hamoitzi shemra al chaveira. You say something bad about your friend. Alachas kamavakam. All the more so. It's it's even worse. So. We've just flipped the. Here we said they saw about speaking about Miriam. They saw it, and they didn't learn a, a lesson from that. Why should they learn a lesson? Mm-hmm. That was talking about a person. This is talking about stones and 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 wood and and and, and fruits. The opposite, the Gemara says, is the is the right way of the Kalvachimer. This th- doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bomb question. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're we're dealing with something more, something deeper, something more profound. And this is how these things attach to us and what we're trying to learn. Ultimately, we know in the in the bird's eye picture of the story, the Jewish people went out for forty days which is not an insignificant fact. They went out for 40 days and they were punished 40 years to, to stay in the desert. This number 40 keeps coming up. As we know, 40 represents Torah because the 40 days Moshe Rabbeinu went up to three, times three, right? And, and we, we, we spoke to the Rabbeinu Bachaya, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu lived 120 years corresponding to the three times 40 days that he went up to Har Sinai Rabbi Akiva also lived lived 120 years 120 all comes back to the 40 the derivative of 40 <clears throat> so there's something being told to us about the processes of, of Torah that the Jewish people went out for 40 days not 35 now that, how, why did it take them 40 days to travel Israel I mean I know we can go to Israel three days. You cover the, the small country, and then I don't know if it was. I don't think it was as big. Maybe, you know, why forty days? So obviously, there's some connection, and they were punished that they were given forty years in the in the midbar. And what's this? Row they saw that the Musa they didn't take this inspiration they didn't take this uh, this word Musa the Maral in his introduction to the Sefer Derech Hachayim which is his, his translation his interpretation his beautiful uh, Sefer on Pirkei Ovos 
called Der Chaim. So there he, call, he says, why did I call the Sefer Der Chaim? Because there's a Pasuk in Mishle that says, the Der Chaim Musar. The path of life is comes through the rebuke of what's called Musar. Musar, he says, is the word that, that is related to Yisurim. Um, Yisurim is, is sufferings, but more than sufferings, it's, it's instructive lessons that we learn through the, the, the way of life, through the just living. We all go through Yisurim, large, small, there's even the Gemara Brachas, something called Yisurim Shel Ava, pains of and sufferings of love that show love of uh, of uh, of you know the Hasidic rebbes say that toothaches are always yisurim shalava because they're not life threatening they're painful they they are very uncomfortable but they're always yisurim shalava anything that is not life threatening is yisurim shalava what does that mean yisurim shalava yisurim means a challenge something that rubs the physicality with the spirituality and the maral goes through we can't do it justice. It's not a, this is not a shear on Pirkei Avos, but this is his beautiful um, uh, introduction where he introduces, maybe not the first time, but in great length, that there are three categories of a person's interaction with life. There's his, there's the, his bein adam lamakam, his his corresponding relationship between him and God, his spirit. His neshama, his relationship between him and God, being Mokim, and there's been how he has to interact among the people and the world that he lives with and through and as part of, and that we're all familiar with. But then he adds a dimension of being There's between a man and himself. That's where the inner growth, the inner spirit, the inner relationship of himself, and he says, and this is the the chiddush of the maral that this is an underappreciated and perhaps unknown part of human condition. Between man and himself. And that's where Yisurim come in, that the pains and sufferings that a person goes through personally, no one else is is there, that's where he has to stick with himself and work through the the intricacies of why, why is this challenging me? In which way is it challenging me? And where do I go from here? Is it something I have to overcome by just simply going to a doctor? Okay, I'll go to a doctor. And then what the lesson is about that. If I have to go and make a loan because I don't have enough funds, okay. But if it's something chronic, God forbid, something I have to live with, what is this teaching me? What is this challenge? I have to, whether it's I mean, I have to come on to someone else, or I have to, I have to um, know my limitations. What is the lesson? Where do I grow from there? And and that's the bein adam la'atzmoi that a person deals with in life. And they says, okay, this is the direction I have to give myself a, a, a richer diet in whatever. This and this is what Rebelli Borg Finkel wants to suggest that 
the lesson that Miriam interacted with her brother was was in this area of being Odom La'atzmai. When Miriam spoke Lashon Har about her brother, Bamoish Rabbeinu, it was her kid brother. So the Rambam says in the end of uh, Hilchas Tumas Tsaras, Tsaras we know, leprosy. So there's a famous, famous Rambam at the end, the tale of the last halacha of Tumas Tsaras. It's, it's worthwhile seeing inside. But the Rambam says that we learn from Miriam, and it's one of the six remembrances constant remembrances that we say every day after davening Zohar Asher Osa Hashem Miriam. remember what happened to Miriam and the Rambam says that we remember what happened to Miriam and she spoke Lashnar about Moshe her brother he didn't care about what she said about him she wasn't, he wasn't slighted in the least Because Vachinamar, because it says in the verse, Vhaish Moshe Anov Maod. Moshe was very humble. Mikol Haadamasher al Pneho Adama from more than any other man that ever walked the face of the earth. And she spoke about him and he, he didn't care about all that. And still you see what happened to Miriam. She got this leprosy, which Obviously, the question is, why didn't the whole generation get leprosy? If they were supposed to learn from Miriam, what was this lesson that they got 40 years in the, in the desert and the whole generation had to, had to sort of become extinct? They should have gotten leprosy. Mm-hmm. That's the punishment, seems the punishment. Because they were listening to it. They believed it. Yeah. yeah. Miriam also, you know. Mm-hmm. So, the, so, he, so he wants to say that mm-hmm. Miriam became aware of her lesson of tr- understanding her brother that he wasn't just her brother he was the leader of the Jewish people he was the giver of the Torah now this was a an ongoing lesson that the Jewish people had to understand that Moshe wasn't just the conduit the, the, the person who you know who was passing on the information he was the bridge we, we spoke last week he was the bridge between God and the Jewish people. Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai Masro Yeshua, but that he was Mekabel from Sinai, from Hakadosh Baruch the Torah. He was able to download the whole system and the whole processes of Torah. The Bein Adam LaMoker and the Bein Adam LaChaveroi and the Bein Adam LaAtzmai. The whole, all of the processes, and give that over to the Jewish people. Now, how are the Jewish people absorbing? How are they taking the lessons? Well, they didn't know about Shabbos, so he told them about Shabbos. That's easy. That's That's easy. I didn't know this God wants. Okay, God wants it. I'm, I'm in. He says, can't steal. I'm in. Fine. You know, of course, it was part of the seven Noachite laws, but we know the Torah laws of stealing is not anything... It's much more broader, much more vast 
it's bein olam lachaveru. It's it's a it's a godly elevation of how to treat another person, not just to be civil. It's how to connect, how to appreciate the godliness in the other person. So everything that was being taught from HaKosh Baruch Hu, as we call Torah, was a relationship between God and man. That came to us through Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu had the ability, because he was the of his humility, he had the ability to be that conduit to teach the entire lesson. In, the, in last week's Parsha, Miriam was unaware, in a, in a certain way, she was unaware that Moshe was constantly and, and continuously learning and teaching on his level of prophecy all of the lessons that he's continuing to learn which turned out to be 40 more years and thought that, that the, the, the level of prophecy that Moshe Rabbeinu had was at the time of Sinai right? at the time of Sinai Moshe Rabbeinu had the level of prophecy along with everybody else to see that see a bunch of things Moshe Ben was different than every other Navi the Rambam says and we say this in, in our 13 principles of faith right that Moshe's Nevuah he was the Av Hanavim, the father of prophecy before him and after him no one, no, no one had the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu and, and we know that uh, it's, it's, uh, it reflects itself in, in four differences and three of those differences are in Parshas Baloischa in the story that we, we were told about. So, were we told about them? This is a this is a uh, philosophical question. Why were we told about them only in Parshas Bahaloischa, and and not before? And and probably the answer, you know, is that of course we saw all of these qualities at Har Sinai because if we didn't, then we wouldn't have a Torah. The fact that we have the that the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. And this I heard over and over again from Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg uh, many, many times, that, that we wouldn't have a belief system in Torah if we didn't have the belief in Moshe Rabbeinu and the prophet he was. We wouldn't have a Torah because anything that's written in the Torah we only know as true because Moshe told it to us and we know he was incapable of telling us something in the name of God that wasn't absolutely unadulterated from God. And we were on that level as well to see that. That he spoke face to face and and he was incapable. Now, Miriam and Aaron at that point thought that this was only at Maimon Harsinai. That this continued throughout. Afterwards, they that, that perhaps they didn't know, which doesn't undermine the belief system in the prophecy of Moshe. The prophecy of Moshe is, is, was to validate the validity of Torah and to make it truthful that the Torah, it's a prelude in the, in the 13 principles of faith. You see that the, the prelude of Torah is prophecy in general, the, the God speaks to man, 
and that the prophecy of Moshe was unique. And now you can go to believing that this is the Torah and will never be changed, and the same Torah was given to Moshe is the same Torah that we have today. It's so that's the introduction to that. And that Miriam had at the time of Maimon Har Sinai no problem. It was after that point that it was unclear to her and so why was it? Why did it have to continue? The level of Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy because Moshe was con- continuously teaching and giving over not only the Beinola Mokon and the Beinola Chaveroi but also Beinola Atzmai. How we are supposed to learn and we are supposed to grow through our experiences of life. And this is the this is the humility. This is what's meant the humility of of, uh, of Moshe. He didn't have his own presence. He didn't have his own self. And this is this is partly why when we, you know, one of the answers when we teach the Amuna at the night of the Seder, which of course Moshe had such a tremendous role, his name is not mentioned in the Haggadah Shel Pesach, which is one of the million dollar questions. And of course the answer is because we're not teaching about Moshe. We're not going to take focus away from how the individual Jew, the Arba Bonim, everyone in their own position, every Arba which we explained, every child has within them the potential for the Arba Bonim. The Torah speaking, Dibra Torah Keneged, Arba Bonim. There's a, a tzaddik in every Jewish child we must believe. There's a Russia in each Jewish child we must believe. There's a Tam and any Odelisha. There's parts of each person's personality that needs to be developed. That's the Bein Adam La'atzmai. How is he going to deal with his Tzaddik self, his Russia self, his Tam, and any Odelisha of his own personality? That's his Bein Adam La'atzmai that he carries with him his whole life. We're constantly growing. The laws of the Torah pertain to everybody at all times because it's a it's an ongoing process of life. You're talking about growing. Maybe that's why the um, we the Jewish people were not also given the same punishment that Miriam was. Oh, very good. They, they, oh. they needed to right, live right. well. Very good. Very good. Okay, good. I'm getting. I'm becoming coming clear. So now we could, we could have a little bit of an understanding. Why? Moshe Rabbeinu, when the spies went out, and we mentioned the 12 spies, they're different heads of tribes than were mentioned previously in Parshas Noso, when, they, when the heads of tribes brought, these were a different group of people. And Moshe gave a special blessing to Yoshua. Vayikra, it says in the Pasuk, right before Sheni, Sorry, at the, the second Aliyah. In, on page 798, Pasuk Tezayin, it says, He took this man whose name was Hoshea and he gave him, changed his name to Yehoshua. What's the difference? He added a Yud. <coughs> he added a Yud to the beginning of his name. And Rashi tells us, famous Rashi, Nispalu he prayed for him. Ko, 
which now that there's a Yud in front of the Hay, he has the his name starts with Yud Hay, which is the name of God. Mm-hmm. Ko God Yoshiacha should save you Ma'atzas Muraglim from the from the the council of these spies. It's a Gemara and Soita. It's a it's a Medrash Tanchuma. Famous famous words. And the question becomes that we know that two of the spies didn't didn't uh, listen. Kolev. Why didn't Moshe pray for Kolev? It's also one of the million dollar questions. Why didn't he pray for Kolev? So some of the commentaries, the Maral says, um, you know, that that since Moshe had this close relationship with Yoshua, he was his attendant, he was his Talmud, he was his ultimate successor. How would it look if the successor of the Jewish people and Moshe's prod, project, project, prodigy would <coughs> fall into the trap of... Okay, I, I accept that's a wonderful answer. The, and the Kliyokar also says a very interesting answer. Since Yoshua comes from the Shevet of Yosef, from Ephraim, from Yosef, and Yosef was the one who brought the bad tidings to Yaakov about the brothers, which caused the hatred. In beginning of Parsha of Yeshev, so he perhaps had a tendency. Perhaps it runs in the family, in the DNA of the family, of going with the flow of of lashon hara, and therefore he needed the 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 the, the prayer and the change of name. Okay, that's what the Kliyokar says. Also, beautiful, wonderful, we can run with that. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky also adds that who was Kolev's wife? Miriam. <laughs> Can you imagine? Miriam, Anavia, Miriam was... So, believe me, they were learning Shmir Saloshin every after dinner every night. You can bank your bottom dollar on that. Miriam, who went through the whole process... And that's Rabbi Kamenetsky's uh, beautiful insight that since he was married to Miriam, so of course Miriam learned the lesson. But the lesson here that we're observing is <clears throat> the lesson was that there was an opportunity for the Jewish people to understand the lessons of life through Moshe Rabbeinu. What do we have to learn from Moshe Rabbeinu? In all aspects of He's a conduit, of course, but it became aware by the Jewish people's ask for to send spies that they yet weren't there, they weren't sitting comfortably with understanding that they can go into a land of Eretz Yisrael that's promised by God to be the best and will have everything that we need that meant different things to different people. We know that the spies themselves understood that they were going to be replaced by other heads of tribes. And that didn't sit well with them, we're told, in the underpinnings of the Bein Adam La'atzmai. I'm not for me to judge them, not for you to judge them. But that's one aspect of the Bein Adam La'atzmai that was not yet gelled, was not yet fully processed. And Moshe Rabbeinu was seeing that, that he still has his job cut out for him. 
יהושע ותרגם יוינסון תלס אין אינסייט that when Moshe saw the humility of Yoshua, he blessed him and added his name. It's a different dimension. It's a different dimension. It fits in well with what we're talking about. Now, just as a, as a side, where did this Yud come from? Where do you pull a Yud? Where, where do you pull a Yud out to, to add to, to uh, Yoshua's name? I mean, everything in the Torah is... First of all, there's a question that I will not. I, I don't have a good answer. That in Parshas B'Shalach, when we, or in Parshas Yisra, when we talk about Yoshua, they call him Yoshua there. Why don't they call him Hosea? If that was his name until this point, a good question. There they call him Yoshua in Parshas Yisro, uh, Parshas Mishpatim. Sorry, when it, when it talks about Yoshua in Matan Torah, it talks about at the end of Parshat B'Shalach when he went up to fight the battle and with Amalek and Moshe had his arms up it talks about Yehoshua, not Hosea and, and it's a good question something food for thought but where did that Yud come from? says the Medrash that the Yud came when back, back, back in Bracious Avram's wife was his name was Avram and her name was Sarai so when he changed his name, they stooped in a hay. Right? No problem. Just move over, you know, put in a hay, Avraham. Now, Sarai gave her also a hay, but we took off the Yud. Where did that Yud go? So the Medrash says, and this is not a joke, the Yud came to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and complained, what, what is this? <laughs> Throw me out. I used to be part of this great lady's name, Sarai, and now where am I? The brother says, don't worry, Mr. Yud, Rabbi Yud, I have a greater position for you. You're going to be elevated. You're going to be upgraded. You know, you get an upgrade. I mean, your seat has been changed. You're upgraded to business class. Oh, wow. Okay? you upgraded. Not only are you going to be from a, a woman to a man, but you're going to go from the end of the name to the beginning of the name. Yehoshua. Hmm. And now you're going to be part of the, the Yud Hey. You've elevated now. You're even part of God's name, and we know even further that the Yud Hey. We say Kibbutz Hashem Lamim. The the world was created with the Yud and the Hey. You can never separate that. The Yud Hey Vav Hey. The Vav and the Hey can be separated, but the Yud Hey can never be separated. That's the minimum name of God, the Yud Hey, and the worlds were created. Olam Haba was created with. The Yud and the Hay, Olam Hazel was created the Hay and, and appeased the Yud. And now that's where the Yud came from. Yoshua, Yoshua came. Moshe saw in Yoshua's being Odom La'atzmai. He had a I don't want to call it deficiency. He had a under, underdeveloped, underdeveloped part of his personality in his leadership skills, where he was, his humility. Humility is a great level, but you have to know how to use humility. Right? You don't have to where where to use humility. You know, the Pasuk says, You have to raise ourselves up in the ways of God, and it takes tenacity, it takes perseverance, it takes 
uh, you know, you know, stronger personality. But at the same time, you have to be humble. Moshe saw that there was something that would be a weakness in 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 Yeshua's personality because he saw his weakness of humility in a weakness sense that needed to be developed. And he gave him this yud, this yud that go, dates back to Sarai that came from the strength of the first mother who was a greater prophetess than Avram Avinu, where God says, whatever Sarai says, listen to her. Says Yishmoel, get rid of him, listen to her. Okay? Avram Avinu, the uh, matter says, took care of Yishmoel on the side, but listen to Sarai. Sarai was the, knew and she had the, what, what it took. And this is the yud that came to for Yeshua to give him the the, the ultimate strength, and where, whether that weakness came from what you know the morale says that he saw himself as as only as a Talmud subservient to Moshe, which the other Mephorshim say that whereas the Nesiim they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael because they thought that they 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 knew they were going to be replaced. What did Yeshua know about going into Eretz Yisrael? He heard Eldad and Medad last week's Parsha say that Moshe Mace, Moshe's going to die, and Yeshua Machnes. So he didn't want the Jewish people to go from a totally different reason, from humility. I don't want to lose my Rebbe. What does Machnes mean? We'll bring them in. Oh, Konis. We'll bring them in. Moshe Mace, Moshe's going to die. And what did Yeshua answer when, when he heard this Eldar made that? He told Moshe, Kalein, kill them, destroy them. Not just kill them, destroy them, obliterate them. Kalein is a very uh, tough word. Kalein, you know, Chazal tell us Kalein are the same letters as Melech. And, and we're told that Bilam, when he wanted to curse the Jewish people, in that milli, milli, millisecond, Taisus and Brachas asked, what could he have said? What can you do with that milli, milli It's a second that you can't even see. You have to know how to calculate it. You know, what can you do with that minute? A good kasha, Taisus asks. Taisus says, he could have said, Kalein. Destroy. Taisus has another answer, not for now. But, and Taisus says in Avedu Zora, it says that we take, in Rosh Hashanah, I'm sorry, Taisus says in Rosh Hashanah that we take that Kalein and we switch it around the letters and we make it to Melech. Usruas Melech, boy, we come with our strength on Rosh Hashanah and we proclaim the the the, the kingship of Akharish Baruch Hu. We coronate Akharish Baruch Hu with that same strength. So there's there so the weakness of Yeshua's personality and his in his underdeveloped humility that was his weakness at that time needed to be developed. That's when Moshe came in and says, I know what humility and how it can be used and how you can still be the leader of leaders, the, the prophet of all, the father of all prophets and still the most humble person of all times and you don't, you don't break a sweat when God says that. Not, it's not just uh, someone introducing you at a banquet, right? Saying that you're the most humble person. This is God himself saying you're the most humble person that ever will be, ever was. You know, that's something to take to the bank. Or as or as people say, I wish my mother was here to hear that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but Moshe saw this was a weakness. Yeshua can't be the Messiah He can't be the next link. 
unless he understands where his position. Yes, I'm your Rebbe, I'm giving you, like you're my Meshuras, you're my some, but you have to know you're going to take over the reins one day. That's a blessing that I'm going to die whether in Eretz Yisrael or before Eretz Yisrael, and you're going to bring, you are going to bring them in. You're going to stand up and you're going to be ready. But uh, he saw he needed that blessing because he was coming from his, in his Bein Adam La'atzmai, in his personal growth and development, he was coming from, a, from, a, from also a different place. Moshe saw his job was not done. Moshe saw his job was not done. And right, for a minute, on the concept of this um, Moshe as bridge. Yes, he's he's not a con- he is a conduit, but he's not a conduit. So is that an issue of that he's able to give over Das Torah because he's he's his personality is not there. It's kind of a weird thing. He has no personality. He has well, he has he has what he received from Torah. He embodies all of the bridges of Torah. It's a very good question. I'm going to answer that in a, in a, in a second. Okay. I read a story, and we're going to share the story, and then we'll, we'll call it call it a day. Um, the the Pnei Menachem, the Pinchas Menachem Alter, who was one of the one of the later Ger Rebbe's, the previous Ger Rebbe. He was only Ger Rebbe for a couple of years, but he was the third brother who became Rebbe after the illustrious father, the Imri Emes, who came from Europe, settled in in, in Eretz Yisrael. This was his Ben's Kunim from the second marriage, the Pnei Menachem. His son was just here in Los Angeles, Reb Shol Alter. That was his son, his oldest son. So he said that since he was three years old, he never forgot anything his father told him. It became embedded in his being. So this is what we're talking about, Ben Ola Atzmai, because his father was giving him the Messiah. He was, he was like in his, seven, maybe in his 70s when he had him. He was Mamash of Ben Skunim. Yeah. You see the pictures. It was like a great grandfather walking with a, with a, with a great grandson. Hmm. And it was his son. Hmm. It was, and he, so he, he said that he was walking with his father. Mm-hmm. And, he, and his father, father whispered into his ear, Medarf Hobn Midas. You have to be a Balmidas. You have to have good character. And the, little, the child asked his father, says, he asked him, what does it mean to have Midas? Child, six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. That's what does it mean? How, do you, how does one acquire Midas? So his father told him, he spoke very briefly to Imre Amos, who was a man of few words. He says, there are 48 ways to be kind of Torah. Memches dvorim shatur niknis. There are 48 ways to acquire Torah and the 13 Midas in which Torah is elucidated, which we read at davening every day, that's how you acquire Midas. Hmm. And at the time he says, I didn't understand what my father meant. This is Torah, and he told me to have good character. What, do, what does it mean? So he spent the next 30, 40 years trying to understand when he was older, he says, I, at the time, I didn't understand what my father meant. The first part is not, okay, 48 ways to acquire Torah. You know, they, they do have, which is a good question. They have a lot of interpersonal, midas, um, interpersonal, beinam type of things. So, okay, they overlap. 
but the 13 principles of of elucidation of Torah what do I how kind of mean this do I learn from a Kalva from a from a Gzeir Shava from a Binyan Av from a Klalu Prat what, what, what is that all about for years this question bothered the Rebbe the Pnei Menachem was writing it says said over he didn't have a, didn't have he didn't have the chutzpah to ask his father can you imagine this is the fear this the the president's father he, he couldn't ask him Years later, I began to understand what he meant. That the 13 principles of elucidation of Torah correspond to the 13 attributes of mercy. The Yud Gidon Midas HaRachamim that we talk about on our fast days, on Aser Shemitshuva, Hashem, Hashem, they correlate. The, 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 the Zoyar says, I don't know if it's one, the first one to the first one. I, I don't know. That's beyond my, my pay grade. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they are corresponding to each other. And he says, and Yushalmi says, that one has to try to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu by embodying these 13 attributes. So he says, I finally understood what my father meant. This is what it means that when we had the lessons that we had to learn, we needed to learn from Moshe Rabbeinu, wasn't necessarily to, fu- to mimic him. It was to learn from his presence of from Moshe Rabbeinu he had to live the way he lived separated from his wife forever because it, that wasn't a lesson for the to me or you or to Miriam or Aaron Akoyan but we have to learn as well as he read the instructions on his Bein Oram La'atzmai, which is part of the Bein Oram La'amokah, Bein Oram I also have to read the Bein Oram La'atzmai instructions or find out what they are. How do I do that? But there's Zayna Balmidas. It's 48 ways of being kind of Torah, the 13 principles of elucidation, they will embody us with the intricacies of Torah. That little yud that flies off from Sarai and finds its way generations later to Yehoshua, these are lying behind them are the lessons of where my Bain Adam La'atzmai lies, and hopefully we'll make the right decision today, and maybe a different one tomorrow, and a different one mimicking only the challenges that we all have to go through, which are always so different. Because we all have different personalities in different different ways. Different tikka. We have a different each has a different tikka. A different tikka. So right. A different tools. plan. That's right. A different tool. It is a binyan av. But it's they're general rules, but how they're applied it can be very different mm-hmm. for each right. application yeah, that's and for each person. That's the correlation. Says this another Gvaldic story that I think pertains to here. There was a there's a Yid who recently became famous, he's Nifter, Reb Shlema Hoffman. He was a Talmud of Slavotki Yeshiva. They came out a book, this Secrets of the Soul. Do you have that? Do you have that book? No. No. Anyway, Secrets of the Soul, Feldheim publisher. It's a great, great book about the inner workings, the kishkas of a person, the benar la'atzmai of a person. That's what it talks about. By Rabbi Hoffman? Rabbi Hoffman, by Shlomo Hoffman. It's printed by Feldheim. It's in English. They, Worth I, having, pleaded, I pleaded them to 
translated into English, and they did, and it became a, a star. <clears throat> and now he brings there a story. He was very close with many Gedolim. He was a Talmud of the Slabotki Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Isaac Sher, um, and many others, Rabbi Chodosh, and many. He was also very close with Rav Shach, and he used to talk to Rav Shach because Rav Shach used him. He was a, a su- sort of psychologist person. He worked in the prison systems in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Hoffman, Rabbi Hoffman mm-hmm. for decades without a degree in, in psychology, mm-hmm. but they trusted him. Mm-hmm. And if he said that this murderer or this bank robber can be rehabilitated, they would put him, give him to, and put him under the, the, the jurisdiction of Rabbi Hoffman, and he would be rehabilitated. If, if they said he was rehabilitated, they'd set him out of jail. Mm-hmm. A murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. would trust him to tell him, because mm-hmm. he knew mm-hmm. And he told Rav Shach once, he says, you know, you run a big yeshiva. I want to tell you something. The Rebbeim are always attracted to the student that asks a lot of questions. Sharp. He has a beautiful, glowing personality. He's the, the, the charmer. He, you know, and if other Rebbeim are, they love the, the handsome guy. Who's the, or the, he's the most popular fellow. But the guy who's sitting in the corner doesn't ask any questions. He's shy, timid, or something. That's the boy that needs the most attention to bring him out, to get him over his fears. Because if not, that will be his life. That will be his personality. And I beg you. And and one time the story goes, it's printed in this book on page 254 of that book. One time Rav Shach sent me a 26-year-old bacher who was having trouble in Shuduchim. His mother asked Rav Shach to help him, so Rav Shach came to Rav Shlomo Hoffman, and I met with him every week for half a year. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of time, okay? During the time, I had several opportunities to talk to Rav Shach about the shyness and the social inhibitions development, and how the bacher, how to help the bacher overcome them. I told Rav Shach, that rebellion and yeshivas have to focus their attention mm. not on the extroverted, outgoing bachram, or full of excitement. They have to they they talk to them in learning, and but the quieter, more introverted boys sit in. They don't make trouble, and they don't get any attention. It's a pity, since they need attention more than the extroverts. Mm. After several conversations, there was a wedding in Bnei Brak, and Rav Shach was invited to Masada Kedushan. The wedding was running late, and since Rav Shach had not yet arrived, in the meantime, the Chas and Kala were there, everybody's waiting for Rav Shach, which, you know, you wait for Rav Shach, he was the Godel Ador. Suddenly, a path parted, and Rav Shach arrived. As he's approaching the chuppah, Rav Shach saw me, <coughs> not me, Rav Hoffman, right? And he stopped. Everybody's waiting, it's late. He stopped me for a few minutes and asked me, how's that bacher doing? Imagine, Rav Shach, so humble. Everybody's standing, everybody's waiting, the chasana going on. He had the world, the on his mind, even this one bacher that he was so worried about. There are many stories, not for now. He says, how's that bacher doing? How he's doing, and, and that I sent him. He says, it's very hard. I don't know what will be. So Rav Shach said, why? Asked her by Hoffman. He says, a few weeks ago, I explained to the Rashiva how people develop social inhibitions in their youth. Had they been given the attention 
when they were young, it would have been much easier to draw them out. Now at age 26, it's much more difficult since, since we're working against the habit of many years. Here, Rav Shach, there, right there, he command, he says, everybody's looking, everybody's waiting for a chasana. Rav Shach then burst out into tears. Mm-hmm. And he says, how I fear the Gehenim, how I fear what punishment I will receive for not giving the right students the proper attention at the right time. They will beat me with whips, Rav Shach said, mm-hmm. because you are right. We give all of our time to the Bachram who come and talk with us in learning, who are Gishmak, as we say in French, right? Who are Lebedic, who don't need it as much, who don't have, and we don't have any time for the Bachram who really need it and are afraid to approach us because they're afraid. Maybe it's a stupid question. Maybe I didn't do it, you know, I have to work harder, and they never approach us. Now you tell me that after having ignored him for so many years, even you can't help? Shaki burst into tears. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine. At a chasm, he, he may be afraid people, what are people going to say? Maybe there's a, someone taking a picture of him. He was truthful. I tried to calm him down and told him that I still have hope that I will, be, I will succeed, but it was a pity that we had not started working on it at age 16, when it would have been much, much easier to draw him out. After all this, Rav Shach was a, a little bit appeased, and Rav Shach proceeded to the chuppah. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu saw in the humility of, of Yeshua, I believe. Hmm. I believe, maybe I'm... Mm-hmm. That he saw in his mm-hmm. personality, in the Ben Oral Ma'atzmai, he needs work. Mm-hmm. He's afraid to be my t- that I'm going to die, and he's to take him into it. So that's bad. That's not healthy, because generations do change. Parents die. Children have to step up. They have to grow up, and and it's, it's, it's a natural cause of the world. Parents, of course, want to take care of their children. They want to provide for them, but it has to be with the guidance of. With, with humility, but also with the charge of, you can do it. You can grow into the position of any position. You you have it. You're going to get older, you're going to get more mature, you're going to learn from life. This is what Moshe saw from Yeshua. He wasn't there yet. So he prayed for him at that moment. And he gave him an extra letter of his name to give him a little godliness, to give him a little more boost of excitement. And I think I really believe this, that the true blessing was that those 40 days that turned into 40 years ultimately gave us 40 more years of Moshe Rabbeinu. It gave us 40 more years of Moshe Rabbeinu to teach Yoshua, to teach these these Nesim, the Jewish people, and even the ones who died in the desert. So they died, but they died with 40 more years of learning from Moshe Rabbein. They died as, as fulfilled men that would not have cried like they cried that night because of a lack of the Be'olam La'atzmai. And the Nesim who also died, died also with knowing that, yes, 
we're proud that they're going to go into Eretz Yisrael and we're going to be replaced. And Yoshua, of course, was died knowing that, yes, Moshe, fill me up, give me the blessing, as it says in Parshas Chukas, that, Mo, that HaKosh Bo says that, that the Moshe said, give me a man, Isha Sheruach boy, someone who has the spirit. He says, Kachas Yoshua, take Yoshua. He's your, he's the succession of your, of your work. And it's going to be Masur Yoshua, you give it over to him. And you can tra- train him and be proud that he will lead the Jewish people as, and as, the, as the Navi says in Yoshua, and the, during the times of Yoshua, they kept the Torah, like Torah's Moshe, they kept it. In the learning, Vagisa Bayam is a Pasuk in Yoshua. Which everybody asks, why is that a Pasuk in Yoshua? It's, it's a Pasuk that we mm-hmm. quote about learning Torah, it's, but it's in Yoshua. Mm-hmm. Because Yoshua got the message, yes, I miss Moshe, he was my Rebbe. But I gained from him, mostly I gained from him, that I could stand on my own two feet by knowing that he gave me over the Mesorah. And it was a, a blessing in disguise that we got 40 more years mm-hmm. of Moshe Rabbeinu to mm-hmm. develop. Mm-hmm. Kali needed, HaKadosh Baruch they needed the Bein Onam La'atzmai, which oozes all over. From Miriam and Aaron and and to to Yoshua to the Nesiim to the Jewish people, and this is what what has what has uh, saved us, so we can take and go on from and learn from the forty eighth Kinyani Torah from the thirteen principles of elucidation and kabbalistically or internally attach them with the thirteen mince, uh, principles of uh, you know Midas Arachamim. And we can uh, adhere to what the, the Imre Emes told the Pnei Menachem, Medav Zayin, Medav Hob Midas. You have to have Midas. And we have a way, we have a, we have a plan. It's the plan, it's the plan of life. And that's the Musr that, uh, that we say, Derechayim Teichochos Musr. That's the Musr that Rashi is talking about. The Musr of, of learning from life of growing from life, developing the Musa, the ongoing lessons that we learn from this week's parasha. What was the son's question?